This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Chris Ehrlich. Chris is an author, entrepreneur, husband, dad of three, and tennis hacker. He holds a degree in English and political science from Denison University and joins me today on Uncorking a Story to discuss his career and book, Parts of a Life, 40 Stories on Youth to Adult Health. Welcome to Uncorking a Story, Chris. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Very, very happy, happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you here, Chris. I'm curious, where does your story as an author begin? Yeah, so basically it's it's one year ago. I said, I'm going to write a book and I, I made it a priority. And I basically then from there on kind of reverse engineered exactly what it would take to do that. I broke out how many chapters I wanted, how many pages I'd need to get there. Uh, how many months or, or weeks I need to get there. And then once I established how many how many chapters or topics I, I would need to to get there, I then started to finalize those topics and chapters, which took me a little while, and say, okay, well, what do I want to really say? What do I want to cover, you know, talk about? And then once I nailed those down, then I started the process of writing. And I knew from the onset that I wanted to write short stories. Uh, but then when I started to write my first short story, it became more of a, I basically realized that I wanted to break it down into more of a poem, which happened pretty naturally. So it became really a poetic short story. And then for me, I felt like I was onto something and I then said, okay, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this poetic short story style or format or even genre. And that's what I did. Then I had the 40 topics or chapters, which is what it was that I, that I had nailed down and then I just proceeded to write every week, week to week, another chapter. And I did about, on average, a few a month. And with the goal of, of getting to all 40 by the end, by a year's time. And so that was January, not this past January, but the last January I started. And then I finished last this past winter. And then I published it in February. So it, it, I succeeded in that sense. And... The main impetus was to say, okay, well, I, I need to make it a priority because it wasn't happening. Because I have you know, the, the kind of huge impetus was that I have my kids are getting older and and I wanted to, one, leave my my literary mark, essentially. And I, and I, I know that 
I'm starting to know more and more that time isn't infinite at, at this point or for anyone. And I wanted to leave my literary mark. I didn't want to wait anymore. And my kids were getting older and I wanted to leave them or share with them and my family, ultimately, whatever philosophy or thinking I, I may have on the world. And I felt like if I didn't make it a priority as I hadn't before, it wasn't going to happen. And it didn't happen before, partly because I didn't have I didn't I didn't have the vision, and I didn't think I really had something fully that I wanted to say. And that's kind of a crutch for some people. But I I thought about it before to some degree, but I said no, I don't I don't. There's nothing urgent for me to say per se. And then you kind of put it to the side, but. But way back, yeah, I have an English degree and I've writing has been my skill, I suppose, since the beginning, since I've been in school. And and I would go to bookstores and whenever we'd go, I'd look at some of the authors and always go to the back covers or in the author flap and author page and say, you know, who are these people? Where are they coming from? What do they do? And I was more fascinated in the fact that they were committed to to the process of writing the book. And I wanted to, and, all, and I always said, well, I, why not me? I've got to do that one day. And I always, as I said, put it down the road, down the road. And I, and I last year I said, I, I have to make it happen. So it was the priority last year. And that was the only way it happened. Yeah. Yeah. So you decided, I mean, it's, so it sounds like even way back when you were interested in writing, you were fascinated by, by books and authors and maybe what their backstories were, but it was only in the last year or so that you said, Hey, this is, you know, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to, I'm going to tell my story. And, and how did you, you like land on, um, you know, those 40 things that you wanted to share? Yeah, that's a great question. I, that, that was sort of, that was the, the challenge was, yeah, what do you want to say? And it was, it was under the, in the context of what do I want to share with my kids and from a legacy standpoint and what do I want, as I say, truly whatever literary mark to leave. And so what can I say that is terribly significant or important? And then when I think about it, I don't have anything inherently terribly significant or important to say there's nothing miraculous that's happened to me in a, in either sense, everything, I have many, many blessings and, and so on. But to the observer, there's nothing terribly out of the ordinary in terms of what I my experiences. And I have to accept that fact. And I did. And I said, okay, well, granting that, what what can I share? And so I broke down to me the milestones or markers in my life, but but not say a graduation per se or some huge conventional milestone, but more to me when I look back at different phases of my life what do I think of most? And to me, that was the most compelling argument or compelling reason to write or to capture those moments in time, which are essentially the highlights of, to me, of my life, in effect, to say, well, when I was in school, what, what, is, what do I remember? What I first remember in, in sort of the best, biggest sense? And what, in, an, in, a, in essence, is that experience to me? When I think of my wife, what does that mean? What do I think of when I think of my wife in this in this short story poetic sense and that made it a lot easier and then from there i was able to really say okay i do know what i want to talk about when i talk about college and it wasn't a big mystery at that point so then it was saying okay well maybe at college i wanted to talk about there are several experiences i could talk about so then yeah i had to had to narrow it down and, and accept no this is the one uh, the one topic one subject i want to talk about and for marriage, that could have been this huge open-ended topic as well, but I didn't want to have many chapters on any one topic. I wanted one topic on, say, my wife or the idea of marriage or 
one topic on my children or chapter, not not many, 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 because I wanted to cover many, many chapters, many subjects. And so it was that was a fun that was a fun exercise. Once I started to to get to that point, it was a little bit frustrating or challenging because yeah, it, there were fewer. It was hard to really pick. Okay, which is the most telling representative? And then once I had that list, so then I, w- I had to start the writing process, and that happened probably the spring of last year. And then I started the process of writing, and I started publishing on my blog, and I wanted to publish it in real time. And I did, and I got some good initial feedback from my the, the the readership on that blog, and they were very supportive and positive, and that was certainly encouraging and helpful. And and I kept going. And toward the end of the year, I was I was a little I was behind by my standards, so I really compressed the timeline, and I, I wrote many many chapters in in the last few months to make sure that I would finish. And so yeah, but that that's how I got there. So fair to say that when you're when you're writing this, you've got your your family in mind. I mean, is that the audience you're writing for or is it somebody else? That's a great question. I mean, for me, honestly, from the beginning, it was it was for me. I needed to do this and I knew that I I, I, I can write and certainly I needed to write something. And so I needed to do this for me. And I, of course, I would like people to hear about it and read it. But I needed for myself to to know that I did it and did it hopefully fairly well. And then, yes, I, I want my children and my, my family to see it and to know more about who I am, perhaps on a deeper level or, or in a big sense, and to really say, this is my dad or this is my son or this is my husband. And it's not necessarily news to them per se, but I think it will document truly for them who I am and for posterity, which to me as a writer as a, as a thinking person is, is, is significant and I think important. And then beyond that, the audience was to say, yeah, I don't have any, any magnificent or super, maybe particularly challenging circumstances that anyone would be terribly interested in. So I said, well, people can relate to me because most people are like me, of course, because most people ideally don't have any big extreme per se. They, they just say, okay, well, I go through my my life and it has its ups and downs and there are only so many facets or aspects of life anyone goes through or has in the day-to-day. So I made I, I wanted to make my stories as relatable as possible by not making them first person, by making them really relatable to anyone. And so at that point, the audience became truly everyone because everyone's gone to school, everyone, you know, people have parents, people have many people have siblings and so on. So at that point, I, I I was aware that I wanted each story to be relatable to anyone. So it wasn't so inside or internal in terms of uh, the, the, the message or the philosophy or the, the subject to where anyone can relate to it. Certainly nothing was eso- nothing is esoteric in it, to be sure, from a family standpoint or personal standpoint. Did you have any subjects out of those 40 that you were nervous to write about or where you know maybe you discovered something new or challenging about yourself yeah uh none none of them i think the heart the the most challenging ones were definitely the ones in the beginning and i did them in terms of writing i organized them differently deliberately in the book based on more chronology and so on but when i was writing them i started to me with the most important ones first about my parents, about my wife, about my children and those, my family. 
And, and that was also when I was still mm, refining, I suppose, my style and my voice to some degree. And I wanted them to be absolutely perfect, you know, without absolute perfection and have absolutely perfect to me. And so, yeah, those became a little bit more work uh, by the end in terms of finalizing them and iterating them and improving them and editing them. But the others were much, much, much easier and smoother because they didn't have the weight of, okay, this is for my actual parents. This is for my actual children. This exact chapter, this exact chapter is for my, my wife. The rest are more about more of these open-ended topics, such as high school or college or work or a city we lived in. So they didn't have that weight. I didn't have that weight on my shoulders of saying this is the definitive, definitive story or piece that I'm going to do right now. Uh, and they came, they came much more smoothly and they were easier to finalize. But throughout, I, I wanted them to be fun. One of my big, my big themes for myself in doing this and a commitment I made to myself is this is not going to be work. So I didn't want it to be work. I know you have to be disciplined and you have to do it. And I, I did it on a sort of weekly deadline basis. Each week I had a general deadline. But when I sat down to do it, I wanted it to be fun and not in any way work. And so I would play music, I would, I would write in different rooms, and I, I, would, I would do it really in an hour or two. I would oftentimes have a pretty good draft, and then I would just essentially iterate or improve on it over the next few days, somewhat at my leisure. And, and yeah, it would be more exciting and fun, and I would, of course, get frustrated at times and, and be really close, but, but still work on, on some of the 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 words and the usage and 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 editing but that i also try to make fun to say okay it's really close and i'm almost done with this one and another session hour or so sit down and have some fun and, and go enjoy the creative process and so for most of them it was really that way and again there were a few that became definitely more work because i was so off target for some reason or it wasn't wasn't coming together the way that I, I expected or wanted for that particular chapter or topic. And I felt like it was maybe weak in some way. And so I didn't necessarily start all over, but I, I said, there's something off here. And so there were some that uh, on a technical level, I definitely needed to spend more time with, but uh, yeah. And then in terms of what I learned about myself, to me, it really confirmed, it was for me to capture those experiences also for myself and, and, and to document them. And it was interesting to me, it really affirmed my perception of those times in my life. So it, it, it was to me really uh, beautiful to, to look back and say, yeah, this is, this is how it was. This is how I remember it. This is, these are the facts. There's no hyperbole and there's no exaggeration. And fortunately I, I do remember a lot of those parts of my life very well. And that's why they're in there. They punctuated those markers in my life. And it was fun. It was, it was to me almost like, it was like reliving those experiences. So in terms of what did I learn, it was really pleasant and really enjoyable and fun to, to recall and, and to maybe mm, see it in a bigger sense. I think sometimes I or people have a tendency to downplay and say, oh, well, that wasn't a big deal or, oh, that was very hard or, oh, I didn't really see it at the time, but I was able to relive those moments moment to moment, minute to minute in real time in that week or so that I was writing it. And it was really, really fun and, and really beautiful because 
you forget. So if you you forget until you go back. So that was great for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that writing for me has always been something that's very therapeutic. You know, I think looking into even when I'm writing fiction, you know, there's there's always some element of, of truth There's something that's motivating you, some experience you've had in your life that's motivating you. I should say motivating me to, to write a particular about a particular subject or theme. Did you find that writing this was therapeutic at all for you? Yeah, in that sense, it was. I mean, I, I thought about that because I, I hear that sometimes with writers. And I, I think, yes, on some level, absolutely. But at the same time, I don't think that it was perhaps cathartic in a sense, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as if I was unfamiliar with it or I was in denial about any of those phases of my life or that I was was unsure or in some way affected negatively about any one topic or issue. It, it To me, it was more of an honoring. So the therapy was to... to in a sense, I suppose, was to do just honor to those phases of my life that I just, you just sort of go through. So the rearing of kids, the opportunity to go to college, having some great moments in school, having some friends to run around with, living in a lot of different places. And so, yeah, you take it for granted and you say, oh yeah, well, I've moved around. Or I lived in different states or, oh yeah, we have kids or oh yeah, the kids are great. And yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but it's great and really gratifying. But to really hit pause and, and honor those moments in a way that I, I, it's certainly hard to do day to day with, with the schedules and day-to-day and -day lives that, that, I, that we have and that people have. And so the, in a therapy sense, it was, it was nice to pause and do justice to my, in my own mind to the past and to, to relive it. And so once you're once you're done with you know the the manuscript, um, it, it just walk me through what happened next from you know being done with the manuscript and then you know getting it out into the market. What what path did you take for that? Yeah, well, at that point, that was certainly I would say more work. Yeah, that was that became work, and <laughs> I accepted that, and I I com I committed to say I want that to only be a few months, let's say a month or two. And then it of course stretched a little bit, but yeah, after that, I did what I suppose any, you, anyone needs to do with, with any piece of writing is I, I edited, I, I copy edited everything in, in different mediums. So I copy edited it on the blog or on, on the word doc. And then I cop, and then I would put it back onto the final version on the blog and to case there were any copy edits. And then I would maybe even reread re the blog and then I would get it into the, the publishing interface or the digital interface for publishing. And then I'd read it in on that as it, as it would appear in the book. And so there were several final, probably three layers of final copy edits. And then in the actual digital publishing interface, I, I, I made some final edits where I would see it in, in its final form. And there were a, it was certainly laborious where I, I made some sweeping changes in terms of maybe not tense, but I knew back in my mind, looking at the blog, that some of them were 98% perfect. You know, Many of them in my mind were perfect, meaning complete to me. But as you know, as you I'm sure know several of them, I, I said, oh, well, they're digital or I'm it's not published yet in a book, so I can, tw I can tweak it a little bit. 
but they were 98%, 98% done. And so that last 2% or so on several of them was, was certainly some work, it, but it was worth it because a lot of them are to me, I wouldn't say considerably better, but from a writing technical standpoint, they're a little bit cleaner to me and just a little bit more polished and a little bit more to that perfect level on a, for, for me personally to where I'm satisfied with them. And so that, that was, that was probably the most work was, was finalizing those ones that I knew in some of them were, were words and, and lines and not so much rewriting, but just a, a line that was, that was really not, not, not excellent enough or a section that was a little bit maybe subpar to me with the, among the others. And then, as I said, maybe even tense in a couple of places and pronouns and so on. So, but I made those decisions in the digital, in the blog version overall, but these are some that were just for some reason not jibing in for that particular piece. And then I uh, published it and then I, I worked with I think Ingram. So I did, it's with Ingram. So they were a great tool to work with. And then they were able to get it into all the, as you know, in all the books you know, digitally and bookstores and get it. So it's available anywhere. Uh, and, and I would see the, the, the typesetting and the formatting and whatnot, that was certainly quite a bit of work. That was, that was the most work to be sure. So yeah. making sure that it, everything was typeset properly and clean in the actual book it is essentially uh, the tool works well for that. And the software does that well, but, but certainly I had to, to do that and take that on. And that was, that would definitely qualify as work, but it happened within <laughs> probably a, a couple of months or so, I would say it wasn't, I didn't want it to go on and on. Yeah. And what's the reaction to it been? Have your uh, friends, family, children, have they, have they read it? And what do they think? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they tell me of course that they love it and, and it's, it's wonderful. And I mean, they use terms like beautiful and oh my gosh. And, and just where it, they truly think that it, it's, it's high level writing themselves. And, and I, and a lot of them are very big readers and very well read and certainly educated and all this. And, and they've, they've, they've read many, many books by many, many celebrated authors. And so of course, people are nice when they give you feedback generally, but, but I, I know many of these people well enough that the effusive nature of the commentary and kind of the ongoing support or theme of, of, of that is such that it, it tells me that, that there's truth to what they're saying. And, and I, I objectively am, believe that it's, it's, it's high quality and, and, and well done in my opinion and objectively, but so to hear it from other people to me is, is, is I would say some confirmation because it's not as though I'm not going to say, you know, you don't, you know, it's for people to decide, of course, and maybe it's not for everybody, but it's, I wouldn't say shocking. So that was the hope and the intention is that at least on a basic level, it functions as, as a, as a quality piece of writing and a and quality product. And they're happy with the product, the book, and, and it, it's small on purpose. It's, it's easy to carry. It's, it's very straightforward. Everything about it straightforward, the chapters, the short stories, the poetic style, the form. And I think from a consumption standpoint, that's what, what some of them have loved or enjoyed is how accessible it is. And that was that's certainly by design and, and the intention. And some of my classmates uh, have read it and they were very supportive and, and acquaintances and 
again, very supportive and, and giving me very favorable feedback and, and saying it's great and wonderful and beautiful and everything that you want to hear. And so that to me, it's, it's like, what else does somebody want? I mean, you, you, you want to, you want to keep talking about it. You want people to, to read it, to see it. But at that point, yeah, I had to stop and say, wow, I'm really grateful that, that anybody's reading it and that these are their reactions, that these are the reactions I'm getting. So that to me has been very uh, gratifying to be sure. Yeah. Well, one of the ways in which I like to get to know my guests a little bit better is through a couple of pop culture questions. So, uh, Chris, I'm going to put you in the hot seat here. When, uh, when you were growing up, what were some of your favorite things to watch on TV? Let's see. Well, when I was growing up, yeah, I, I, I watched a lot of 70s, late 70s and early 80s reruns. I certainly watched my fair share of those. But what I would actually watch with more kind of enjoyment, I think, is I, I would watch Double Dare with some regularity. I think it's Nickelodeon. And it's a game show. And then I love the the cartoon Inspector Gadget. I love that guy. So that was fun for me and his his like uh, I don't know his his assistant or his team that he, he was running with. And then that's right, he had his uh, what was his niece Penny? Yeah, that's right, Penny. And then there was an animal. I should a dog remember. named Dollar. Was a yeah. dog named Dollar? And yeah. then uh, Inspector Gadget was voiced by Don Adams of that's, Get yeah. Smart. Game. So yeah, no, it was great. I mean, they were a great team. Very fun. Great animation. They had some toys. I think I had the, the toy at least one time. One time, but in, in a, on a higher level, when I was younger, it would be Wonder Years. So that would be kind of my destination programming, you know, pre 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 recorded television or streaming. And so I definitely enjoyed those seasons and all those stories. And I I think it's a great show. And we watched some of them with our kids a, a while ago, and we enjoyed that. So that's just a really just high quality. Uh, series for sure. So I enjoyed all of that and all the characters there and the storytelling there I think is fantastic. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I watched then at least generally. Yeah. How about music? What did you like listening to back in those days? Well then, yeah, pre-Spotify, it was, I would say, a little bit harder to, and I wasn't a big, let's say, CD consumer exactly. So the radio and everything, but definitely my favorite band then and now is New Order, which is electronic synth music, dance music, and they have a very prolific um, discography, I suppose, or, or a body of work. And I love them. They have uh, some, some, let's say, darker music, and then they have some very upbeat, poppy music. So they have a, a big spectrum of music. I love them. I love The Cure when I was younger at that time. So that was sort of toward the end of their peak. Uh, I love all The Cure, uh, especially The Cure at that time. And I liked Morrissey. So Morrissey was sort of in a similar style and he was interesting at the time. And I think one of the first and almost, I think, created the genre. He, the whole, his lyrics are very melancholy, but the the sound and his singing is very upbeat and beautiful. So that to me is really interesting. So I like great songwriting and, and all of them have that. I think The Cure is more about the sound certainly, but yeah. Yeah, you just you just named everything my girlfriend from high school used to listen to. Well, that would be yes. It put me, yes. Sounds right. Fair enough. I accept. And yes. uh, you know, I was in, in those days. I was uh, Iron Maiden and uh, you know, anything with loud guitars. So we we didn't see eye to eye on music no. back in those days. But. No, no. But I that's funny. No. So I have come to appreciate that more as I've gotten older. So I 
it's not exactly hard rock, but on the radio and kind of with, with the parents and you're like, what's classic rock for me now? And of course, what was out then is maybe classic rock now. But when I was growing up, classic rock was more the 70s and, and whatnot. And so you would always hear it around town or in stores or in the, on the radio or wherever. And so, yeah, as an adult, I've really come to appreciate 70s rock and roll and some of it, I suppose, hard rock. But everything essentially created in the 70s music wise, I love and really a lot of Americana from the 70s I love. So yeah. on Spotify now, in terms of like road trips or, or a playlist, I try to do some of the 70s sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I, I find myself now listening to like 70s soft rock. Um, yeah. And I'm kicking myself because I'm like, man, you went from listening to like Iron Maiden to like Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, well, they're good. I mean, they're... It's fantastic. Exactly. I, I love it. You can't argue with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, that's it music-wise. That's right. Um, And how about if you could write a letter to your younger self, um, what what would you write to the younger Chris? You know, what what kind of words of encouragement would you give him? Um, What what would you want to share about what the future would be like? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, my biggest... A recommendation to myself or anyone younger really is in a, in a writing context certainly is to start much earlier and i i started i i was writing sports columns when i was younger and i've always been writing professionally and i i i started writing when i was very young out of school let's call it the beginnings of a novel and i said okay that's not that's not the time or the place that's not what I want to talk about. And then I kind of move on and then you move on and then I'm having kids and moving and, and life is moving forward. But, and as I said, I didn't feel like there was anything for me to write about in the interim pursuit that was jumping out at me, but just to write more earlier and to, to, to find that voice or that style earlier. So if I had just keep, kept experimenting with my writing and the way that I experiment with other aspects, aspects of my life and maybe say adventure or moving or whatever it is, if I'd experimented more with the craft of writing, I would have discovered this poetic short story style much earlier. And the sooner you start writing and finding your voice and your style as a writer, as an author, the sooner you can write more books. And so my goal is to write another book. And and so I, I have, have thought about some of that, but it's only now because I have done this first book to say, okay, well, what do I want to do next? And so if my first had been much earlier, where would I be now? And so you can't, it's, it's not, it's kind of academic, but in terms of what you tell a younger person or myself, I would say, keep iterating or keep, keep working on that style and find your voice. And maybe it isn't a novel, of course, it's certainly something else. And all of my writing historically has been more in this shorter direct style. And so it's not a big, it's not a surprise to me that it, it, it played out this way or turned out this way from a genre standpoint. But I certainly didn't think of that out of school saying, well, I'm a short story writer or I'm, I'm a poet or I'm gonna pursue writing poetry. That was not even in my mind. And so you need to let that, you need to experiment and write enough to, to let those thoughts come into your mind and to literally discover it. Yeah. Well, Chris, I know you mentioned having a blog. Where can people read your blog? Yeah, it's uh, chrisrelick.com is the site, which is now the blog. 
So it's Chris Ehrlich, E H R L I C H dot com. And then okay, I'm on. Then you, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, do you have any social media that uh, we can uh, share with our listeners? Yeah. And then on social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Chris underscore Ehrlich. Uh, so it's Chris underscore E H R L I C H. And then I have a hashtag that I'm doing, which is hashtag parts of a life. And so, yeah, people can can definitely tag me on either of those platforms or DM me. Certainly that would, I would love to DM with anybody. There you go. Well, we'll get some people to slide into your uh, DMs, Chris. Uh, I will put all of your contact information in our show notes so people don't have to worry about writing it down as they're driving in their cars or doing whatever they're doing uh, when they listen to this. Uh, Chris, I want to say thank you for stopping by Uncorking a Story and letting me uncork yours. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.